0: Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Evelyn read Reader Services Librarian at the Syosset Public Library for the Turn the Page podcast. And today we have a special guest with us, William Landay who wrote Defending Jacob. I'm sure most of you who are listening have read the book. And if you haven't read the book, of course, you saw the movie because it was an absolute phenomenal hit over 10 years ago. So thank you so much for being with us. I see that you like to be called Bill. So is that okay if I call you Bill?
0: That's <laughs> fine. Thank you. Okay.
1: So Bill, what have you been doing the last 10 years? <laughs>
0: uh, mostly struggling through this book. This book had a long, uh, Genesis, and I don't, I don't know. As I look back on it, I don't know that I could recapture all of the various hurdles and blocks that uh, that this book got caught up in. Uh, but it had a difficult birth, and a lot of that was tied up in not wanting to write defending Jacob too. Uh, I have always uh, prided myself on being a writer that my readers could trust and would go along with but not being predictable i never want to write the same book over and over again uh and so i wanted to be sure that the follow-up to defending jacob was as original and as surprising as defending jacob itself was and so uh, that got me tied up in knots a little bit and probably just thinking too much honestly i mean I. I think at some point as a writer you have to abandon yourself to the project and stop thinking these sort of self-conscious outside thoughts and just live inside the story itself and and free yourself up to write that way.
1: Okay so you're a former assistant district attorney. Did you go back to that life or your life is just writing now?
0: <laughs> I yeah that's a long time ago. I haven't been an assistant district attorney Really, since my first book came out, oh, okay. which was twenty years ago, in fact, uh, I gave up my bar membership.
1: Oh my gosh, uh, really? Which in,
0: <laughs> which in Massachusetts would mean that if I wanted to go back and be an assistant district attorney again, you have to or take any the other bar? kind of lawyer. I I believe I would have to take the bar, and I would have to pay uh, the uh, uh, bar membership fees for all the intervening years. So I would have to oh spend thousands of dollars for the privilege. Very
1: costly. Plus, you'd have to <laughs> study because nobody could just take the bar without having to study.
0: That's very My father true. father did
1: that, it didn't work out well for him. So he, <laughs> had to, he had to actually study to pass the bar. But I forgot to give a little introduction saying that you're the author of, the book that we're talking about now is All That Is Mine, I Carry With Me, which comes out March 7th. Um, your three previous novels, of course, Defending Jacob, which won the Strand Critics Award for the best mystery novel. The Strangler listed as best crime novel of the year by the LA Times. Daily Telegraph, and others, and Mission Flats, which I guess was your debut novel, was the winner of the Dagger Award for Best First Crime Novel. You're a former assistant district attorney, and you live in Boston. All correct. All correct. Good. Good. And I liked what your website, I went on your website. I enjoyed that. You said you just have a short little paragraph about you, but then you went on to tell other things. It was very interesting. I (laughs) like
0: Yeah, I'm always torn (laughs) about uh, you know, authors uh, now are expected to uh, live online uh, in a mm-hmm. way that previous generations of authors would never have understood. And I think the the presumption that we will have uh, an ongoing relationship with authors between books and will know something about them intrudes on the reader's experience of a book. There's such a thing as knowing too much about an author. And so I'm very leery of uh, exposing too many details about my life because I feel like then readers will be tempted to try and draw connections between my life uh, and characters or thoughts or incidents in the book. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, my new book plays with that. And uh, and muddies the the lines between fact and fiction. Well, and let they- me tell
1: you, when I first started reading it, I was like, "Wait a minute, is this still the author's note?" Like, <laughs> I wasn't sure that I was in the book yet, or if I was just reading about what happened in your life.
0: So I got a little. You, you've you've caught us in a in a in a uh, uh, a pickle because when the book was written and for people who haven't read it yet, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that the uh, narrator in the opening portion of the book is a novelist. Uh, And he, uh, until the, the, the very last edit of the book, that character's name in the book was Bill Landay. Oh, okay. Goal there was to bring a level of, authenticity uh to the book that readers uh wouldn't really know what to do with and my editors reacted exactly <laughs> they felt they were reading a a very long preamble to the book
1: that's exactly um, how i felt and yeah. that, and then I'm, then I'm like wait a minute no 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait a minute we're on page 50 this can't yeah. be <laughs> <done>. <laughs> um so we did dial that back and now that narrator uh is a more independent character um Still however, I did want to address readers where they are one of the things that I find challenging about being a writer today is that readers have changed in the presence of the internet and in the presence of so much information coming at them all the time I think sometimes of of writers a hundred years ago or 150 years ago I think of Dickens uh, what his readers would have uh, been like and what they would have expected from him. And I think of a reader in that time of uh, sitting down in her living room and what would her other options have been? What would the competition for Dickens's book have been? No radio, no recorded music, no television, no internet, no cell phone buzzing in your pocket. Uh that a writer like dickens in that time and place could count on the reader's sustained attention and could count on the reader to to bring what henry james called the willing uh, suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. and and now in addition to the challenges of maintaining focus in an environment where we're constantly being bombarded with stimuli we are also trained not to trust the information coming at us. We are trained never to suspend disbelief. Our, our, our BS meters are always pinned at 11. And that is a challenge for novel readers because that is precisely the skill that novels demand. You are meant to give up uh, your skepticism and your cynicism about truth and go along with the story and live inside it. And so in a way, you have to meet readers where they are today. And that's readers who may not have as easy a time as their parents and grandparents when they open a novel and and want to just suspend disbelief and, and live in that story in an unskeptical, uh, unselfconscious way. And so the way the novel opens by breaking that fourth wall and addressing the reader directly, uh, was meant to address that. It was meant to say, look, I know, uh, that, you know, who I am. You probably know what my last book was. Uh, and, and you have, you have certain expectations before you even reach page one. Mm -hmm. And I want to meet you right there. So the first, yeah, absolutely yes. Well, worked. Thank you. I mean, the first sentence of the book was uh, the first sentence of the book. Now is something like: after I finished my last novel, I right. fell into a long silence.
1: Right after <laughs> I finished writing my last novel, I fell into a long silence. You might call it writer's block, but most writers don't use that term or even understand it. So I'm yeah. reading it and I'm like, okay, because I know you haven't put anything out in ten years. Exactly, Let's really be you.
0: Exactly. And then as I got
1: into it and the story, and I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. Let me <laughs> check back and see.
0: Well, you'll be, you'll get a laugh out of this because the original line, and this line lasted all the way until the the final draft, the final edit, was when I finished my last novel, which was called Defending Jacob. Oh. <laughs> I fell into a long silence. And it was meant to address you exactly, exactly that idea that you would bring to the book. I mm-hmm. wanted to find you right in your chair and say, I know who you are. And I know you think this is just a novel that's going to be a follow-up to Defending Jacob. I'd like to give you an experience that's richer and more engrossing than that by taking that uh, attitude that you bring to this book and using it in the narrative of the book. I want to meet you exactly where you are and tell you a story that even you, even with that phone buzzing in your pocket and your TV on in the next room and your kids going crazy uh, in the kitchen, I want to give you a story that that is so engrossing that you cannot help but be sucked into it and constantly undermine your expectations of what this book is going to be.
1: Well, it sucked me right in. And then last night while I was reading it, I normally have my iPad right next to me. I left it in the living room on purpose so I could not be distracted by my iPad. And I just (laughs) sat and read and read and read till, of course, i It puts me to sleep. Not that the book puts me to sleep. That's just the way I fall asleep reading. So
0: well, then it worked. The plan worked.
1: Yeah, it's so good. I I really I think it's great. Um, Do you read your reviews? Like, for instance, I went on Goodreads and you're at 4.19, which is out of five, which is a fabulous Goodreads.
0: I I try to avoid reviews as much as I can, only because I, I feel like it can't it can help me to some extent you can't avoid it. And to some extent uh, you, you need to see them only because they impact your career, mm-hmm. but it's very dangerous to start uh, trolling Goodreads and Amazon and, and seeing what people say about you because it it gets into your head and, and there's no, the the downside risk is so much, so much worse than the upside. And I, I feel like my, responsibility as a writer is to follow my own uh, uh, muse and not try to let other voices into my head. When I'm writing, I really can't be thinking about readers uh, and how they'll respond and, and and whether they'll like this or that sentence. I need to write uh, for myself uh, and hope that when it's done, uh, uh readers will, will share the vision or come to see it. But it's very hard to uh, produce original work when you are uh, getting orders and complaints and 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 dings from from various people.
1: The first a lot TV of voices TV. out there.
0: The internet has opened up; has given a platform to yeah. everyone. It's not just book reviewers now.
1: Right. So, if you're
0: going to wade into that, there's really no no bottom. Yeah.
1: No. But just so you know, if you do feel like it. On Goodreads, the first few pages, all great reviews. So oh, good. Yeah, nothing to worry about. People will love I'm gonna let you
0: filter these for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> loving the book. They really are. Um oh I had one question that we already answered. I said, was Phil Solomon really you? And then, <laughs> and then I yeah, so I know it's not really you. It's just well keep in really mind
0: cool. though, even if he even if there's a character who resembles me or may even share my name, don't Make the leap to assume that he is me and don't make the leap to assume that everything that happens to him happened to me. Uh this is uh this is a novel. Uh, a work of fiction. It's a work of fiction. And Philip Roth wrote characters with with both Philip Roth's and Nathan Zuckerman's in them. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's a wonderful device to use because it just sets this seductive, personal, authentic. Uh, nostalgic uh, tone uh, that that when you address the reader directly, you you really bring them in. Uh, You put your arm around their shoulder and you lead them into the story personally. Uh, But that does not mean that everything that uh, happens under a a Bill Landay like character's name is is true to fact.
1: Right. So I know that when you wrote Defending Jacob, it was pretty much went to film pretty quickly or bought for how about this one? Same thing?
0: Uh, yeah, I know personally, I think this one is unfilmable, honestly. So oh, okay. I'm, not, uh, I'm not waiting for that. The The other thing, and I learned this with Defending Jacob, is you can't really, um, it's very chancy what happens with with film and TV. And you really can't control uh, how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Defending Jacob actually had kind of a uh path to 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 being actually produced and it lingered for a long time in the studios before it was actually put right. into production. Um, did so, they
1: change the ending on us?
0: They did. They did. I
1: didn't watch it because I didn't. I, once I heard they changed the ending, <laughs> I said, "I'm not watching it. That ending is so fabulous. I I don't want to know what they did differently. I want to I want to think about what I read and that's it. So
0: yeah, I think that's exactly the approach to take too. Because yeah. You know, as the author, I always felt like whatever they did with it on screen is a totally new project. And I never felt like I had to defend the book from them because there are things that will work in a book that don't work as well in a movie. And there are nice. things that, that you can do on film that that wouldn't work in a book. So I never felt defensive about the book or or any changes they made. I felt like it was a new and completely different work.
1: That, that makes a lot of sense, absolutely. No doubt about it. Now, back to all that is mine, I carry with me. Do you feel that anybody in the book was an unrelatable narrator? Uh,
0: unrelatable? Unreliable. Unreli-
1: unreliable. unreliable, I'm sorry, unreliable. Um,
0: unreliable. Hmm. I think they're all unreliable and yet all honest and sincere at the same time. I think that one of the... Uh, strengths of the book. And one of the interesting aspects of the book is that it's told from different points of view at different uh, time periods. And and it really takes into account and tries to capture uh, the experience of, of different people looking at the same series of events and experiencing them differently. So I wouldn't say that any of these narrators are unreliable in the sense that they are purposely misleading anyone or even deluding themselves. Uh, I will say that they disagree on, on what they are witnessing. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that makes the uh, narrative interesting in dramatic or literary terms, but it's also true to my experience of, of criminal cases in real life and, and of, of of all sorts of stories that we experience in our real lives. We we see things differently and there's always some doubt about what happened uh, in any case Uh, even things that we've witnessed with our own eyes we sometimes get wrong and we remember inaccurately or or uh perceived inaccurately inaccurately in real time so i think that that sort of unreliability is built into our experience as humans Uh, and so I'm not sure how to answer that question exactly. I suppose they are unreliable, but they're unreliable in the, in the way that we are all unreliable.
1: Okay. And which was your favorite character to write? <laughs> uh
0: I don't I, I don't know that I could could say. Um I think some characters are, are more difficult to write uh and and to capture the uh this is a book that tries to uh, capture the internal experience, the interior monologue of these different characters. And so some that are more like me, uh, like the the narrator at the beginning, um, obviously is uh, can be quite close to me in, in terms of their voice and their attitude. Uh, on the other hand, that doesn't mean that they're my favorite or the easiest to write. Sometimes if you feel like you are uh, exposing too much of yourself, you tend to filter that, and it tends to be difficult, especially for a person uh, like me, who's who's private uh, and who isn't one to expose too much about myself. Um, I think that novelists, uh, almost by nature, are not confessional people. Uh, there's a sort of uh, that we use fiction, we use storytelling as a prism to filter uh, the things that we want to say but we're not writing essays we're not writing memoirs uh, we're not writing history Um, and so in a way there's a kind of uh, dishonesty or artifice that's that's always going on uh, with these things and so favorite I don't know it's uh, it's hard for me to say
1: (laughs) you always want to be an author I mean obviously you went to law school
0: Oh, are you crazy? I, I growing up there were no authors. There were really no artists of any kind in my life. I never right. I still don't think of myself as an author. I think of myself as as a as a guy who's been writing and kind of waiting for people to realize that I'm not a real author and chase me out.
1: After <laughs> so, defending Jacob, I don't think you can say that. That was a phenomenal success. So well, thank you. People knew your name. I I Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't. I wonder, too, if I know there are people, authors who will say, oh, I I knew from the time I was eight years old. that." Right. I've interviewed quite a lot of
1: a lot of authors who they knew they were writing in kindergarten. You know what I mean? You know, their teachers in third grade told them how wonderful their their stories are.
0: I, you know, I, I always had that that feeling of of having a facility with writing. But it never, it just never crossed my mind that you could make a living doing this or that okay. this was a uh, a profession. Um, it still feels precarious to me. There's no, um, you know, there's no paycheck. There's no retirement plan. There's no health plan. There's no, there's right. no nothing. We just kind of move project to project and there's no floor on how far you can fall. If the next book fails, uh, it doesn't matter how how good the last book one the last book uh, that came before it was. So, uh, you know, to me... Is scary it, to you? It seems, it seems very strange that anybody would ever have thought, oh, I could be a writer and nothing else. Is <laughs> that Is, a little it, scary, though? You no, know, it's not. Uh, only because I kind of feel like once you admit that to yourself, that this isn't a real job, that there's no job security here anyway, and you're just moving from project to project... Mm-hmm and there's no guarantee that there will be a next project then it liberates you in a way because you stop writing in a way that will be uh that will protect your future in any way you it makes you more willing to take chances because there's less to protect it's not as if you're going to lose your pension it's not as if you're going to lose your retirement plan you know this is uh this is kind of a—I uh, won't say it's a lark because it's very serious—but it's um, it's not a career. It's not a career. Each book, each project, is is a career and is very consuming. Um, but when you come out of it, uh, it's as if you start fresh uh, every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you learn from each book, hopefully, uh, but you never feel uh, that there's. Uh, the sort of mastery or security that's implied when you say, "Oh, I'm a writer, and this is a- a- all I'll-, I'll ever be." Um, to me, it always feels like you're you're on a, a high wire, and and every book could be your last. And and that I think is a healthy way to write, because I think the goal for every writer should be uh, to write as if every book could be your last. Because a, it may be. Mm-hmm. And this, this is a difficult enough job to do that if you're going to do it, you should try to write at the extreme outer limit of your talent every time. You should you should swing for the fences. And there's no sense trying to be a singles hitter uh, in this game because you just don't know. You just don't know if you'll have another at bat. Like
1: Harper uh, Lee.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's a question, you know, if you're a writer just starting out, would you would you rather be Harper Lee and write one immortal book, uh, or would you rather be Agatha Christie, say, mm-hmm. and and write just a series of genre books that are solid and beloved as a as a as a total work, but that don't vary very much, uh, and that are and be known for your consistency and for your predictability.
1: Well they say she's one of the best mystery writers though. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and it's honestly it's it's admirable. I don't I don't mean right. to oppose a value judgment either way. Right. In fact, I suspect that Harper Lee was was I can't imagine that it's a happy life mm-hmm. to have written, you know, to hit a home run in your first time at bat and then never step up to the plate again. Right. It's difficult. And if you know she did write other novels that were published posthumously. Right. And obviously she looked at those books and didn't think they were worthy. Mm-hmm. And that must be a painful thing to, yeah. to learn, especially when your, your first book becomes so famous and enters the canon the way, yeah. way that Absolutely.
1: book. Was. It really, really was. So what is your writing life like? When do you, do you write in the morning? Do you write whenever?
0: It's, it really varies. Plan? Yeah. It depends on when, where I am in the process at the beginning, it's very um, unstructured because you don't know what you have. You don't know what to write. uh, You don't have anything in front of you. Mm -hmm. And as the process moves toward the, toward the finish uh, you uh, become more and more certain of what you're doing. And at that point it becomes all consuming and you can work, uh, for long hours, and, and you're really rushing to get to the finish. So at this point, you know, it takes me, and this was a very long book, I hope I never experience a, a long book like this one again. Uh, but but for me, it takes at least two or three years to write a book. And, and the first year is really a lot of wheel spinning. It's, it's trying to find the story and find the characters. Um, one downside of trying to write uh, an original book every time is that you really have to reinvent yourself and invent a whole universe each time uh and that's that's time consuming if you write a series uh then you can skip from one book to the next and you're really just picking up the same uh threads um Was so there's great- again I don't I don't I don't think one is better than the other it's just my it's just where my interest happens to lie.
1: Was there much research done with this one, especially the end with the Alzheimer's patient? I don't there, want to give anything away
0: there's, Yeah, no, there's not um, it's not giving much away because the the Alzheimer's piece is, is mentioned in the first book too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I uh am sad to say I had to do no research for that. My mother has Alzheimer's. Oh, I'm sorry to uh, hear at that. At this point, thank you. Uh at this point she is is lost in dementia. Uh and so we have lived uh the Alzheimer's journey, as they say. Mm-hmm. And um it's a it's a it's a brutal disease, and and in my in our particular case, it seems to run in our family too. So it's always been uh, an issue that uh, my mother was always my mother who cared for her mother, uh, who had it, uh, was always terrified of oh, getting. Wow. it. And I wouldn't say that we're terrified of getting it, but we, my siblings, and I are conscious that we're at some elevated it's, risk. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm so sorry to hear that. So do you you. plan though? Do you have an outline or do you just, you you have to have an outline with the book like this.
0: I'm a fanatical outliner. And I I do feel too that I want my readers to feel that I am in control and know just where I'm going right from page one. I don't like those books where you can feel for the first 50 pages that the author is kind of meandering around looking Mm -hmm. for the book. Uh, I feel that that's the kind of work that should be done before you start writing or at least uh, edited out of the final book. I feel that the reader, uh, in order to follow you on the journey of a novel, you need to win her confidence uh, from page one. And to some extent, you win her confidence from book to book as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is one thing that helps as you pile up the books one after another uh, you know, readers will will come to this book uh, with a little more confidence, uh, hopefully, uh, after defending Jacob right. um they're, They'd be willing to say, uh, even if on page one, they think eh, maybe this book isn't as 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 targeted at me uh, or something that I can connect to as easily. I'll follow this this guy because I- I've read his books before. I trust that he will tell a good story and he'll pull this off. Uh, and that is the kind of uh readership that that an experienced uh writer benefits from and it's a privilege it's a privilege because it allows you as a writer to to take chances and and to bring your reader to places where she may not expect to go i mean honestly it it would have been easy enough to write defending jacob 2 and to Kind of replay that story, and it, it would have uh, satisfied a certain sort of reader mm-hmm. who really is just looking for uh, for distraction and for a predictable experience. And I feel like I want my readers to bring to my books a different expectation, which is just I'm willing to take the ride. And that I'm telling point.
1: you, I'm loving it, and I think I can't wait to get it in the hands of my patrons. I'm assuming it's going to be out on audio. I couldn't find a pre audio, but because yes. I love to listen to audios and I think this one will be great. Is it a multi-person audio or is it just one? Per-
0: yes, it is and oh, that's good. one It'll thing it- that I insisted on. I didn't okay. think a reader could possibly capture the different voices right. of this book. Right.
1: Yeah, no, that'll make it that much better. I love I love I'm going to have to even though I read it I'm going to have to try to find some snippets and listen to some of the audio so we'll definitely have it everybody Well it'll be on overdrive and we'll also have a physical copy of the book here so after listening to this if you'd like to put it on hold please get in touch with us at reader services and i'd be more than happy to put it on hold for you i want to thank you so much for interviewing with us i'm really really appreciate it and i are you i know this one took a while are you ensconced in a new one already or
0: I am. I'm grinding oh, through boy. the next one. And I promise you, it will not take 10 years. You'll hear from me <laughs> before, uh, before 2032. <laughs> oh,
1: that'll be good. We, we certainly hope so. Really, that that, that would be nice. Well, I'm, I hope you enjoyed the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and we enjoyed Defending Jacob. It still goes out. People still love it. So oh, hopefully, that's the, great. hopefully this one will be day. the same and have a nice long life also. All so right. thank that you well, so thank much you. Bill really for speaking with us I'm going to close this chapter of Turn the Page thank you so much thank you and the book comes out March 3rd everybody oh, I'm That's sorry 7th. March 7th March
0: 7th it's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page join us for the next episode